There is more going on than you know. There are unseen universal forces at work. The law of attraction is just one universal law that plays a part in shaping your reality. But there's so much more to know. If you knew how to engage all the universal forces, you could deliberately create the life of your dreams. Joshua, a group of non-physical teachers, explains the laws of the universe and how the mechanisms of physical reality actually work. They are channeled by Gary Temple Bodley, and each week, Gary and a group of students discuss how they are affecting and enhancing their lives every single day. This is the expansion of the Law of Attraction. This is the teachings of Joshua Roundtable. We're thrilled you're here. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Law of Attraction Roundtable. I'm your host, Gary Temple Bodley, and today we have a really fun uh, podcast for you all. It's a a conversation with Sean, and Sean's wife is in the boot camp, and Sean, like so many people that we all know, is a law of attraction and possibly a Joshua skeptic. So we're going to just have this conversation. We don't know where it's going to go. We're just going to have fun and see what happens. And Sean, so uh, I'm so happy that you agreed to do this. It was, it was it's really a fun idea. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Nice Great. So where do you live? I live in England, a place called Bournemouth, which is on the south coast. Excellent. Good. And it's interesting, when I was um, first getting into the law of attraction, I went to a big Abraham Hicks seminar, and uh, Esther Hicks channels Abraham. And there was only Americans there. It was a big crowd, maybe 400 people, and only one English person. She was like 29 years old, and she worked for MI6, and she said, if I ever told anyone back home about this stuff, I'd be laughed out of England. <laughs> so it's definitely caught on with America first and Canada and Australia. But now there's so many people from the UK coming in. In fact, yeah. this podcast just reached like in the upper hundreds of podcasts in the UK for the first time. So, it's, awesome. so it's come along. Okay. So where would you like to start? I don't know. Um, I, I, I suppose there's, there's quite a lot of things that I'm I'm not clear on. Um, I've, I've I've spoken to my wife about about Joshua and, and the law of attraction, and there's a lot of things I'm I am skeptical about. I mean, some of it sounds really useful. Yeah. Um, but I, I suppose that the terminology is one thing. Um, so, uh, notes. Excellent. <laughs> um, obviously, there's this idea of vibration. Yes. And, and raising your vibration. And I kind of understand what that means in a sort of broad general sense, but I, I, don't, I don't know kind of what you specifically mean by it. Okay, let's say that everything in physical reality, and I'm just talking from Joshua's point of view. So when I say something, I'm saying, this is what I've learned through Joshua, and this is what Joshua might say about it. But everything has a vibration. So if we held up in uh, this glass that I'm holding up here, that has a vibration. Um, And it seems physical, right? You can see it, you can feel it, you can bite it, you could taste it, you could taste what's in it, um, you could smell it. So all those things that we pick up on are vibrating. And so... When I 
tap it down onto this desk, well, that noise obviously is a vibration. Yep. It's the vibration of sound. And if I look at it, it's the vibration of light coming in. And so my brain is able to process what that is. It also has to adhere to my belief system too. So I have to know what it is, you know. Mm. And I don't believe it's a cup or I know it's a cup. So therefore it exists in my reality. That's what vibration is. And for, for us, oh, I have my puppy too. He's not here right now. <laughs> so, um, so we all emit a vibration. And unlike this cup, we can alter our vibration. So we alter our vibration to become a match to things like this cup. And so this cup is a match to me. And from your perspective, the cup is a match to you in that you can see it, right? But you can't have it because it's over here. Uh, so if you wanted to raise your vibration to get this cup, you would, you would have this desire. And the desire might lead you to buy a plane ticket to come over here to come to my house to visit, stay the weekend, and then steal the cup, and then you'd have it, <laughs> right? So that's in very general terms. Yep. Um, we become a vibrational match to anything we want by, by allowing it to come into our reality. Okay. Now, how do we change our vibration? Well, that goes into a lot deeper stuff. Because yeah. from our perspective as a human, it seems as if we're individuals living in possibly a malevolent environment, and we have to keep ourselves safe from anything mm -hmm. bad that could happen to us, right? Yes. And so, for instance, say you wanted to manifest 100,000 pounds. And so, nice. right? And so you could, you could say, everything in my life sucks. And if I had this 100,000 pounds, then my life would be great. Mm. And so what you're doing there is you're focusing on the lack of 100,000 pounds. And you're saying, yeah. because I don't have that, I can't do this, that, and the others. I can't mingle with these people. I can't be seen as good. I, you know, all whatever. I can't pay the rent. I can't get this nice house I want or a car or whatever it is. And so you're using that as your excuse to focus or to explore this idea of lack and limitation. Now, what if you raised your vibration and you said, my life is absolutely abundant now. I don't need the $100,000 to do anything that I want to do. I don't need it to make me appear good in other people's eyes, right? <laughs> Successful yeah. or anything. I don't need it to meet friends or fall in love or all these things that are what we truly want. Right, and you do it from that point of view, and you say, "So I have no attachment to this hundred thousand dollars. If it comes, it comes, and if it does come, it'll allow me to do to explore something I want to explore." <laughs> so this is the idea that now we're not focusing on the lack; we're focusing on how abundant life is right now, yeah. and and it's easy for us Westerners to do that because you know compared to people a hundred years ago living in the same town, we're amazingly abundant. Just by having a, a smartphone, we have the abundance of information, the abundance of connection, the abundance of, you know, whatever we want at our fingertips. And then we can, you know, sort of focus on what we are passionate about or what we're interested in and let go of this need to have validation through anything outside of us. So this is the idea of 
broadly of looking at life in a way that is just more empowering and is less resistant to how life really is. And what we've noticed is Western society deems that to be successful, you have to have an education, a career, a family, a house, money in the bank, all these things. And typically what's happening when people are trying to achieve those things outside of themselves in order to be happy is that they're going through the motions, doing these things that they don't want to do in order to be happy. Instead of saying, my life is excellent right now. Everything's good right now. In this moment that you and I are having, there is no wrong. Everything is fine. Nothing, you know, there's no war going on in our neighborhoods. And so if we can focus on that rather than on this need to be validated from the outside and protect ourselves from these conditions, then we sort of go with the flow of life. Now, most people won't agree with that because they'll say you have to have savings in the bank in case something bad happens, you know, or you have to have the money first before you can do what you're passionate about doing or before you can retire, you have to have a, lump of savings. They have to do all these things to protect themselves. And this is just part of the programming of our society. And leaping into another approach to life seems risky to people who have always been protecting themselves. Yes. And in order to do that, you sort of have to look at what's really the goal here. Is the goal to be safe and secure and to seem like an upstanding citizen in society so that people like, love, and respect you? Or is the goal to feel good? And what would you say about that? Yeah, I, I, I think the goal has got to be feel good. And, right. and I think... Um, right. So that's really what the goal is. The goal is to feel good. And yeah. in that feeling good, there's, there's something beneficial there. So we, what Joshua said is there's two possible streams of consciousness that you can hook into. One is fear and lack, which is the stream of consciousness of humanity, right? So if you think about all the thoughts that have ever been thought before by humans, it's basically fear-based thoughts. And then there's the stream of consciousness of what we say is coming from source. It's a line, you know, it's, it's a stream of consciousness based in love. And so every wonderful song has come from that. Every invention, every book has all been because someone's been able to tap into that stream of consciousness of love. So if you can get yourself out of that stream of consciousness of fear and into the stream of consciousness of love, then you receive thoughts, you attract thoughts that feel good. So this is something that people will be skeptical about. What do you mean you're tapping into a stream of consciousness? Aren't thoughts manufactured in your brain? And so most people would say, yeah, thoughts are manufactured in the brain. Synapses are firing, right? And these are creating these thoughts. But now we, we say, well, what if it's the brain is a receiver? It's receiving light waves and organizing it into this view of a cup. It's receiving sound and organizing it into that's the sound the cup makes, right? And smell and all that stuff. 
And so what if the brain is receiving thoughts and then organizing it based on our belief system? And if we have some limiting beliefs, we might receive a thought that triggers a limiting belief and then it, and then it creates a fear out of that. And so in that fear, the fear is being triggered by the limiting belief. Without the limiting belief, you couldn't feel fear in that. And so that's what uh, this new idea is, is that we're not creating thoughts. Our brains are not thought manufacturing plants. They are transmitters and receivers of thought. So where, where is that thought coming from? Either the stream of lack-based consciousness that all humans, so all thoughts that have ever been thought are still there, or this stream of potential thoughts that are waiting to come in from the, from the non-physical. So there are three... So like, like a radio receiver, exactly. tuned to one channel or another, or both right. at the same time. And you know which, which you're tuned into by your emotions. So if you're with friends and you're just having this great time, having this conversation, like we're doing right now. Hmm. So thoughts are coming to me from this powerful source of consciousness based in love. And so I'm not searching around for words to say. I'm receiving words that will make sense to you because I'm connected to the source of consciousness. If I had fear in this conversation, like I need Sean to believe what I believe, then I will have a little wobble, we call it a wobble in the vibration, and I will dip down into fear, and I'll, I will try and manufacture words or phrases that I think will convince you. But since I don't mind if you believe me or not, I don't want to change your, your belief systems, um, I can speak more clearly on the possibilities that can come, that you could possibly perceive from where you are. But I, I, I suppose that the problem I have with that to an extent is it, it, it sounds like I, or what I perceive as myself, has no agency in this. I'm, I'm not, I, I'm, I'm just a conduit for, for fear or source-based thoughts. Right. Uh, I, I can, I suppose, there's an element of deciding which channel to tune into. Right. Uh, but at the same time, um, am I not putting myself in a position if I, if I don't consider fear-based thoughts, um, that th they may be more likely to be a reality. I mean, I, you know, I, I decide I want to be in that body of water over there, but if I can't swim, then it's going to cause me problems. Right. So we now put fear into two categories. Rational fear, the fear of that which could lead to your physical harm or death, mm -hmm. or irrational fear. So going to the beach and the waves are high, and it's windy and it's stormy, and you're like, okay, I'm not going in that water. Or you have this inspiration to talk to someone at the pub, and you say, no, I'm not going to talk to that person. They may not like me, right? Hmm. So the one going into the ocean is a rational fear, and sure, that keeps us alive, right? That keeps us uh, from jumping off tall buildings and doing we wouldn't last very long without that fear. Yeah. Fear's not bad. There's nothing wrong with fear. It's just limiting. So it limits you from going in the ocean when it's too stormy. But if it's irrational fear and you receive the inspiration to go and talk to this person, you are limiting yourself 
by not doing it because nothing, no harm can come to you by going up and talking to someone at the pub, that sort of thing, right? So now we're analyzing the fear. Yeah. And here's how we know when we're looking at something from a limited perspective. So our emotions are our guidance system. And we say that we have a inner self and our inner self remains non-physically focused and is helping us move to the vibration of everything we want. And it's doing that through emotions. So if you feel negative emotion, your inner self is saying you're looking at this from a limited perspective. And if you feel positive emotion, then you're what we call being in alignment with the perspective of your inner self. So imagine your inner self exists in the non-physical, has existed eternally before the earth was existing, you know, that sort of thing. Hard concept to imagine, but let's just play with that idea. It has an eternal and an uh, omnipotent perspective. Nothing wrong can happen. So you perceive that there's danger in talking to this person. You receive negative emotion, fear, right? And you don't do it. And your inner self sends you that negative emotion, that fear, saying that you're looking at this from a limited perspective, that there is some danger here to you. But from this higher perspective, there is no danger. But also, same thing happens when you're looking at the waves. Your inner self is also saying there's no danger here, right? Because yeah. from the inner self perspective, if you die, it doesn't matter. From yeah. our perspective, it totally matters. So the, so the Joshua is going to give us that one. They're going to say, okay, that's a rational fear. Go ahead and limit yourself all you want to. But now focus on these irrational fears. And you can see that everyone, whether they're contemplating asking for a raise at work or asking for a promotion or quitting their job and doing what they're passionate about, they have all these fears. So what could the, what could the fears lead to? You know, so you're, you're in, you know, say you're feeling horrible about your job. And you're just not feeling appreciated. You're doing all this work. And you say, I've been here five years. I should get a raise. And they are not appreciating me. And so you're, you're looking at it from a limited perspective. You're feeling negative emotion because you're not feeling appreciated. And so you go and change the conditions by asking for a raise or promotion. So you get this raise or promotion. And now you're in a whole new situation that you've gotten yourself into because you're, you weren't feeling good about where you were. So what that is, is a feeling negative emotion. And then you dip into, into that consciousness of fear and you bring up an urge to change the conditions. And so the urge says, go and get a raise. The raise will make you feel good, will alleviate the fear. And so you go and get that raise or that promotion and now you're in another situation where you're being paid more and now they expect you to work more hours or they expect you to do more work or they, you find yourself in a position that you're not comfortable with or capable of and now it's even worse than it was before. You're trying to get the outside conditions. Well, right? you, you, might, you might get your raise and you might be very happy with that because you can buy something, go on holiday, do, do what you want to do. That, that may be... Right. You know, that, 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 that may make you happy. I mean, it doesn't necessarily do that. Money doesn't necessarily lead to happiness, but yes. 
it can be a conduit to it. Right. And so we say, okay, all right. So from that, uh, where you're saying this sucks because I don't, I'm not being appreciated. Mm-hmm. If I get the raise, that will mean I'm appreciated, but that's, that's looking for something outside of you to change how you feel. Right. Yeah. Now, what if you could accept where you were and say, I don't need the appreciation come from outside. I'm going to cultivate this feeling of appreciation by appreciating the job that I do have, all the people I work with, the amount of money I do get, that it's like amazing that I have this job, all these things. I'm going to just sit here in the state of acceptance and appreciation from what I have. And then you receive the inspiration to go and ask for the promotion or the raise. This way you're not trying to control the conditions or get that feeling of appreciation from outside of you, you're cultivating it within. And then if you get that promotion or raise, then you have expanded through appreciation rather than trying to control the conditions. And if you tested this out, if there was a way we could test this out, you would find that the person who is in in fear and lack and feeling unappreciated will still feel unappreciated no no matter how much money they have. And the person who is in love, cultivating these feelings of appreciation, understanding that everything is right as it is now, and receives the inspired idea to go and ask for a raise, not to change the condition, just because it's an inspired idea, that person will, because they came from appreciation, will feel even more appreciation. The person who changed the conditions came from unappreciation and will feel even more unappreciation. That's the philosophy. No, that, I mean, that, that, that makes a lot of sense, and I can absolutely see uh, I, I can see that. I mean, I suppose my problem with it is that's great if it works the way that you've suggested it might work, whereas if I sit there in my job appreciating it, being happy, being content, and then I say to my boss, you know, I, I'd like a promotion, and my boss turns around and says, well, why do you want a promotion? You seem perfectly happy where you are. <laughs> so what you're saying is the boss is only going to give promotions to people who are miserable in their no, job. No, I'm saying that if you did that 100 times, <laughs> right. you might get, you know, 40 might get a promotion and right. 40 might stay where they are and 20 might get the sack because, you know, there's cuts coming. Right. I, I just, I, I, I appreciate <laughs> um, that... that, that 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 being content where you are is a good thing. Yeah. You know, I'd rather be happy than unhappy. Right. Um, but at the same time, I don't necessarily, you know, given the scenario you posited, yep, I'm, I'm happy. I'm content. I go and ask for a promotion. I get it. I'm, 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 I appreciate that as well. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm better off, but that only works if, if that's the way the path goes. I'm happy, I'm content, and no one ever really thinks that I, you know, there's someone else who's really bucking for promotion and threatening to leave because they're really unhappy. Yeah. They end up getting promotion and I wind up not moving forward at all. Yeah, and imagine that you're the employer and you have someone who is in appreciation, happy, and receiving the stream of love consciousness. So they're receiving all these inspired ideas all the time to, and they're coming up with these great ideas, right? And there's someone who is unhappy and not feeling appreciated. 
and they're just receiving urges to change the conditions all the time, right? Mm. And I'll bet you that if you look at a company that's full of people who are just passionate about being there and not really even doing it for the money, they're just coming up with ideas after ideas after ideas, and those people who are unhappy are always causing conflict, I would say. I've had, I've had companies with lots of employees, and looking back, that's exactly how it was. Mm. Those people who are just so thrilled to have that job and to be doing this stuff. But then it changes too. So I had a big appraisal company. And I look back and when the appraisal company was starting, it was, that was the most fun time of it. And I hired my two best friends at the time. One was, you know, selling title insurance and not making any money. And one was sanding boats, you know, in the hot Florida sun with a grinder. So I taught them how to be appraisers. I helped them get their licenses. I hired them. I trained them. And then within a short amount of time, they got the, you know, the full appraiser license. And now they were doing reviews. And now they were both making 200, 300,000 a year. Where before they were making, say, 20, 30,000 a year. Yeah. Um, and so they were totally into it at the oh. beginning stages. And then once they got a lot of money, they just left and started their own businesses and took my employees with them and took my, um, some of my accounts. Right. And yeah. so at the time I was doing all this stuff for them so that they would appreciate me. I was counting on appreciation from them. And when they left, I felt absolutely like sick, you know, that they could do this to me. But in actuality, that everything was working out so that, that when the crisis hit, everything blew up anyway. It wouldn't have mattered had they been there or not because the whole market collapsed and the business yep. went out. And I was on to the next thing before then. So everything worked out perfectly, but from my perspective, I thought that was the end of the world. So I was looking at it, I was trying to get them to appreciate me. That can't work because obviously you can't control people and you really can't get anything from the outside conditions by manipulating it or controlling it. Had I existed in a state of appreciation, if they left, I could have said, you know, it, it could have been like a, a really happy exit and I could have been supportive of them instead of enemies, that sort of thing, you know, and they, they wouldn't have to, to, you know, just break it to me in one fell swoop. They could have said, this is what we're thinking of doing. What do you think? Maybe we could have gotten into some cooperation together, whatever it was. But because I was trying to control, 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 where control is impossible, you know, and I was in a state of trying to be successful, to be seen as worthy, have all these employees to appreciate me, all that stuff. And then it, to a person, it failed, you know. Here, here we are 10 years after the fact, and none of those people are in my life anymore. Hmm. You know, yeah. of all the stuff that I thought I was doing for them, I was just doing it for myself. I was just trying to get what I didn't feel. And in my career, I was going out trying to make money. I would get very successful, and I would keep pushing it because I didn't feel worthy enough. So, oh, I don't feel good? Let's start a subdivision and build townhouses. Let's buy this house and tear it down. Let's do all these things. And then of course it all collapsed and I was back to square one again. <laughs> then I come to this realization that if I can work on feeling good now, work on 
accepting what is now, appreciating what is now, loving what is now, understanding that I don't need to prove myself to anyone else, that I'm perfect as I am, that I can do whatever I'm inspired to do and leave all the bullshit out of it, then I just focused on how good life is now. So that allowed me to feel good that I got this inspiration to meditate. I got this inspiration to renovate houses, to play poker. And I was having so much fun and everything was working. Uh, Joshua comes through. I'm doing phenomenal in poker. I'm doing phenomenal in renovating houses. I'm doing it all from appreciation and I'm having no stress. My entire life up to that point was full of stress, you know, and now there's no stress and money's flowing in and everything's working, you know, and then this book gets written and another book gets written and the group grows. And, and oh, I mean, you, 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 I mean, your, your, your story is amazing and it's, 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 it is inspirational, but you, you, you might get, again, if you kind of look at a hundred people in your situation, yeah, they're not all going to wind up in the happy place you've got to. You know, it started, imagine losing basically what I calculate as $6 million in a course of three months, you know, to, to, you know, to owning several houses, owning my office building, building a subdivision, having a huge company, all this stuff to living in a friend's house as a rental, Mm. um, you know, boom with nothing, you know, and then, and then realizing from there that the way I was doing it before was, and I didn't really realize that what happened was a series of events happened that led me step-by-step from a absolute skeptic like you are to an absolute believer like I am now, 10 year period of time. And so all I can say is my experience and the experience of my friends who've gone on this journey with me is very similar, you know, and yeah. the way that I was doing it before is how most people do it. And especially in the Western society. And it, I haven't seen it work for anyone except for people who are naturally in the state of joy in the state of my friend, Rob, my friend, Rob owns a big, uh, uh, civil engineering company. And he just loves everything he does. He loves his people. He doesn't sweat anything. He has, he's, you know, he's a triathlete now and he goes on fly fishing trips and he has all these friends and he enjoys networking and he enjoys every part of his business. He just, he never talks about anything negative ever. And it pisses everyone around him off, you know, cause they're, they're all sour and grumpy. They don't you know? understand that. Yeah. <laughs> and he's over here enjoying life and everything works for him. Everything works for him. Great relationship with his kid, great relationship with his wife, with his father, with all of his employees, with all his friends. It's just amazing. You know, health is perfect. Uh, money is amazing. He's, a, you know, has a old crappy gigantic fishing boat behind his house on the water. And he just goes out in this old crappy boat with his friends and catches fish he could have a yacht if he wanted to easily, but this is what he likes. He likes his old crappy boat. Yeah. But it, 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 and again, it's, it, it's that situation where it, 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 he is fortunate in that things are going right for him. I, I read this book called The Drunkard's Walk. I don't know whether you've ever seen it. No. It's about, it's about statistics. Yeah. How our 
our lives are, are very much guided by chance. And one of the things that really struck me was they were talking about the stock market and saying, well, if you look at the, you know, there are some people who have um, consistently, you know, hit the top earnings spot over the last 20 years. And there's a lot of others that just fall off the bottom of the curve because they're, they're not making money at all. Yeah. But there is no difference in the shape of that curve between sort of, you know, skill and chance and what have you and, and, and just randomness. If you, if you get a chimpanzee to pick numbers out of a hat, it, 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 will, it will have the same distribution curve. Right. And, you know, I'm, I'm willing to bet that not every one of those in the top 10% of earners in the stock market are happy people who are positive about their lives. It, it's not happening because they're, they're, they're attracting things in that way. It's happening because, well, they're in the fortunate position that they were in the right place at the right time and, and made the right bets. Um, yeah, so if we think that there are good things and bad things, right? Mm. What if we said that there are no bad things and that there is no wrong? That me losing $6 million at the time, from my perspective, not having the information that I have now, seemed horrible. And the rest of society would agree with me, right? Yeah. And they would say, you made mistakes. And I would say to myself, I made a mistake. Had I done a couple things differently, I could have really profited from that. Um, one thing was interesting is that we sold our house that I bought for $300,000 for $1.2 million and it was getting ready to close. And this was um, like October, 2008. We had just sold another house in that earlier that year. Mm. Um, and had that house closed, none of what would happen would have, everything would have been saved. No problem at all. Um, but the people backed out right before it. And we had already moved out actually. And, you know, and, and so it's like, okay, well, that seems like a bad thing that they backed out because they were getting nervous about the, you know, about the crash happening yeah. and all this. And uh, so they actually backed out on the day of closing. So obviously I felt that was bad. Looking back now, it was the best thing that ever happened to me. And had it not happened, I would still be living that cheese greater life or I would have something else would have happened for me to collapse because I had to get here now. And so that takes this idea that there is no wrong, you know, and there but is, if you could have been through the same situation, you could have, they could have closed. You could have had that money and you could still have wound up where you are now. Exactly. I because mean, I had to, you know, I had to, I was on a course where I guess in 2008, I was 45 years old, right? Yeah, about 45, 45 years old. And I was on, and this is a, this 40, 40 and 50 year old range, that, like the peak people who come into the boot camp and to find Joshua are like right at 50 because they've had this life of nothing working. It's not working the way I was doing before. Control doesn't work. I wasn't satisfied. You could be very successful like I was which I was twice. I was very successful in my twenties. I kept going too far, basically had to sell everything and then start over and then became very successful in my forties 
and then went too far and it all collapsed. So I was trying to make things work on the outside. Getting all these lessons that I can see now that I didn't realize what was happening before. All these intense negative things happening, you know. And the loss of the money was not really even that of an intense thing compared to some other things, you know. Um, my dad at one point was, I had, <laughs> in my 20s, I had become a real estate broker and I was working at this company as a sales manager. I was sales manager after like six months, this big real estate company making tons of money. And he had closed his real estate business and now was selling life insurance door to door. And he, he was almost broke, right? And I said, why don't you come and work for this real estate company? And he's like, I'm not starting over at the bottom of anything. So in order to help him, I started my own company. And that was very difficult. You know, I had to, I had to leave this other company and sort of go into competition with them. And it was a mess. So I started his own company with him and became very successful. And we were working to get a large government contract. It started out with 100 real estate companies, came down to two. And on the day they decided that the other company got the contract, my old company, as a matter of fact, um, he packed up with his wife, who was working for me at the time, and started his own company. Never said goodbye or anything, right? After five years. So these kind of things were always happening to me where I only did it to help him and to have him appreciate me. Mm. You know, and so I'm getting this message. Don't look for appreciation in others. Appreciate yourself, everyone else, and the life you're living first, and then be inspired to do things that will move you forward, not because you need to help someone else. And, and the reason I was helping him was because I wanted him to appreciate me. But Gary, if, if you if you hadn't had those thoughts, those ideas, if you hadn't come from that place, I suppose if you hadn't had those those limiting thoughts, then would you be where you are today? Would you have reached the sort of no? You know, I wouldn't. Right. I had to have those things happening enough times where I had to start rethinking my life. But if we avoid limiting thoughts, therefore, we might not get to where we need to be. Yeah. Well, if we avoid, if, if we could, if I could have stayed in appreciation that whole time, um, I, the, we don't know what would have happened, but the idea is if I could have just stayed in appreciation, not need to do anything for anyone just to get them to appreciate me, but just do what I'm inspired to do. You know, we're always taught you got to do stuff for other people. But if you see someone else is struggling, whatever you do for them is you're doing it because it doesn't make you feel good. You're trying to solve that problem like if, with your own kids. If your son is having trouble with a bully in school and you step in to talk to the headmaster and say, sort this out, well, you're not allowing him to go through that, that expansive experience himself, right? So helping other people, in my case, my father, my father would have figured it out, you know, and he, he would have come around, but me going in and, and acting in an urge to change his condition for him in order to make myself feel better just was a sloppy way of doing it. I was trying to control situations and it didn't work. Now, there was benefits of everything that did happen, and eventually I did reunite with my father and went through a, a whole nother bunch of manifestation events with him, but it would have been easier 
had, you know, and this is theoretical, had I been able to depreciate this phenomenal job I had, these phenomenal people I was working with, how great everything was, you know, I was, I was, would have made more money at that company probably than working on my own, but I did like work, you know, did like having my own company, but you know, I was always trying to prove worthiness. So having a company too was like this little bit of status up there that I also was looking for, which was not necessary. But yeah, everything worked out perfectly to leave me here. But I was going through these, I was expanding through all these experiences in suffering. Had I known what I know now and what I do know now, and when I have an experience like this, I can see what I'm doing. I can understand why I'm upset, you know, and then I can realize that it's based on a limiting belief and I don't have all the information yet. The information I, I will have later. Really yeah. see the value of that. You know, I, yeah. I can definitely see the value of that. That's, you know, that's great. I just, I just, there seems to be a disconnect, certainly in the way that I'm thinking about it, between appreciating where you are and, and, and then, then, then you talk about sort of this external inspiration from the source right. as to where you go next. Yes. And, and I suppose that comes down to the idea that, you know, it seems like my sort of job here is, is, is just to be, and then someone else is, is going to send me directions. Right. Okay, here's I'm why. Not sure I, I like the idea of that. Yeah, okay. So let's say you exist in the non-physical. And from the non-physical, you have this broad perspective. You've had the experience of other lives before. And now you're saying, I'm going to come in as Sean. I'm going to be born to these parents. I'm going to be born in this time and day. And I have intentions for this life. So my number one intention is to express my love to myself. Well, we say love and acceptance are the same thing. Okay. So I'm going to accept myself, I'm going to accept everyone else as they are, and I'm going to accept the conditions as they are. And I'm going to experience true freedom and true abundance, not limitation and lack. And I'm going to expand in joy, not expand in suffering. These are intentions. And I'm going to go travel along a path to explore something more specific in physical reality. In my case, that was to become a spiritual leader and teacher, to become a channel, you know. But not just a channel, but actually Gary Temple Bodley being a spiritual leader and teacher. Not that anyone needs my teachings or anything, but only to do it because it's interesting to me. Like this conversation we're having right now, I'm not doing it for any other reason that is interesting to me. I also have no attachment to the outcome of this. So how I come across when this is a podcast doesn't matter, right? Because okay. if I was like concerned with numbers and things like this, I would have to direct this conversation in a way to prove my belief systems true. Believe me, all of us are skeptics too, at some form. We all have doubts about this. We're all experimenting and exploring this new idea, this new approach to life. It seems to be working, but you know, what if I get hit by a truck tomorrow? <laughs> you know, that'll be, I keep thinking about that. You know, if I if I get hit by a truck tomorrow, everyone's going to say, oh, this Joshua stuff is a bunch of shit. (laughs) I have to be very careful. (laughs) Uh, So, but that's not true. So the thing is, I don't even have attachment to what Joshua is. I don't have attachment to what people think about me or these teachings. I don't have an attachment to 
my anything about, like I'm not trying to get anything out of the conditions. All I'm doing now is focusing on what I'm interested in doing. Yeah. So somehow your wife gets this inspired idea while walking the dog to have this conversation. And here we are, right? That's how it works. Yep. Uh, another woman in the boot camp, she happened to mention that she had this trip paid for to Paris and Amsterdam and to go see Abraham. And I'm like, I'll take that trip, you know? And so I traded her for the trip, you know? And so now two weeks later, we're in Paris for a week and Amsterdam for a week. It's like, that would never have happened. And that was a pivotal experience. Plus I saw all these people that are friends who are in Europe. I have friends all over the world now, you know, so these things are coming to me like crazy. The boot camp. I'm, I moved to this house in North Carolina. I can't do poker. I can't do real estate here. And what's going to happen? Oh, the boot camp gets channeled, right? And now it's this huge thing in my life. And I look back, man, if that didn't happen, what would I do? <laughs> but it did happen, right? It's okay. So we've, we've talked a lot about the sort of, if you like, the kind of practical side of it, but there's, the, there's a whole metaphysical side to it as well, yeah. which I think I'm going to struggle with more. Okay. Um, well, let's talk about what happens when you die. Okay. No one knows. Nope. My belief system is empowering. I believe that, we tr that non-physical is our home, and this is a playground. And so we're here for a, for, they explain, Joshua explains it, like, imagine that a day is a whole lifetime, right? And so from yeah. the perspective of the non-physical, this life doesn't mean anything. It's like as important as any other day. Some days yeah. are peaks, some days are valleys, but a life itself just adds to this continuum. Um, and when we return to non-physical, we just leave all our fear behind. So we become this, because in the non-physical, there's no, nothing to fear, right? There is no, no, you don't die, you're eternal. So there isn't fear there. Fear makes it this a tangible experience. There's things you can experience in the non-physical, like you can't experience limitation or lack or suffering or fear of any kind. And so that's why it's a beneficial experience. So I believe I'm going to transition easily into the non-physical and be reunited with all these entities that I've known through the eons and live in this uh, eternal existence in a state of love. And if you look at people who have near-death experiences, this is what they describe. Mm. I was just talking to a, just watching a TED talk about a doctor who, um, you know, uh, he, he was walking in on a patient and he said to the nurse, we need to do this IV and this medication. And the nurse says, oh, don't worry about that. He's already talked to his mother, which means he's on his way out, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and so he had this whole TED talk about what happens. They quantified all these experiences of all these people pre-death that had all these interviews of 1,500 people. And uh, people had these dreams of, of their loved ones who had passed on, who are comforting them right before death, like weeks before death, and they have these interviews with them. Um, so there's some evidence to what I think is true, and there's no evidence to believe you're going to go to hell, for instance. 
you know? And so the yeah. possibility is you, you exist in a state of love in the non-physical as your authentic version of you, equal to everything as source itself, which we can't really perceive that. Or you go to hell, which is eternal damnation because you did something wrong here. That doesn't really make a lot of sense. Or it's just blackness. Okay, well, blackness isn't bad either because we won't know, you know. So, but, but that's a idea of an empowering belief compared to an limiting belief. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. I, I, can, I, can, I can see that and I can, I can understand that. And it's, but it, it's kind of, I suppose, it, it's, it's like a lot of these things. I mean, my, my view personally is that, you know, we're, we're biological entities. We are, we're here as a result of the, the, the laws of physics rather than the laws of anything else. And um, our, our consciousness is, is really confined to, to, to the bodies we're in. Um, and again, I, I can't prove that. Because to prove that, I'd have to prove that I'm wrong, and it's very difficult to prove a negative. But the difficulty, I suppose, I have is this idea of, I mean, I was brought up a Roman Catholic, and so kind of the heaven and hell thing were, were kind of, you know, Probably. taught. Yeah. Um, although I think the church now is, I mean, I'm not, I'm not practicing at all uh, or a believer anymore, but I think the church is, is kind of moving away from the idea of hell and yeah. what's happening. But my, I suppose my problem is growing up, I could imagine any number of hells. I could never really imagine a heaven. I could imagine a nice place to be for an afternoon or a long weekend, but you know, six months later, I mean, you know, I suppose my philosophy is although I don't, I very much don't always live by this, you know, this, this is the heaven or the hell you make it. Exactly. That's what it well, is. Yeah. 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 And so my, my idea of it's hard to fathom eternity, but time is this thing that is a construct of physical reality that doesn't exist in the same ways in the non-physical. We have a finite existence but the purpose of time and space in this reality is to see ourselves from new perspectives with every step we take and, and in every moment, right? You have, one thing that you can observe is that everyone's unique, that no one's had a similar experience to anyone else over a course of a lifetime or even in a moment. Everyone's perception of reality is unique. Everyone's belief system is unique. Um, and and what's the reason of that? You know, the reason is to have all these unique perspectives of what? Of life, of what source could be, of the difference between abject loneliness and a wonderful relationship or abject poverty and wealth, you know, or abundance, that sort of thing. Yeah. Coming to get, see all aspects of what's possible in an environment that couldn't be done in the non-physical, you know. And it brings a richness to the non-physical. And so when each of us transitions, we'll receive the benefit of that experience in the non-physical because we'll see it from that higher perspective. But what if we could do that now? 
you know, in this life? What if we could really experience, you know, the wonderment or the beauty of this world and our lives? And, and what if we could look at ourselves in a less limited way where we say, you know, we've all been, all been taught we're imperfect and we're all flawed and everyone likes to say that. What if we're actually perfect as we are in this moment? We have everything we need to have this discussion. We have everything we need to do whatever we're inspired to do. We don't need to prove ourselves to anyone. We don't need anyone outside of us to appreciate us other than ourselves, right? We don't need any certificates or any degrees or any gatekeepers allowing us to do certain things. We have all the power within, but it's only by seeing through this illusion of imperfection that we can truly become who we are and to follow these passions that we have, these ideas that we're getting. But if you say, oh, I can't do this thing until I have this degree, or I can't do this thing until someone else allows me to do it, or I can't do this thing until people see me as qualified to do it, or I can't play poker because other people will deem that as just a, ga a gambler, right? And why not just do what you're inspired to do? You know, when it's coming from this place of acceptance. Mm. On the other hand, if you think you're flawed, like I thought I was flawed, so I went to college, which looking back was really a waste of time for me because I never had a job. I didn't need any of that. That education was completely redundant by the time I started work. Uh, and especially going to college now, I would say that that's probably even more the case. I was in marketing. And so that didn't make me feel worthy. First person in my family to go to college and get a degree. Then I went into business and I became successful. First person to make a million dollars in my family, right? That didn't do anything for me. And everything I was trying to gain that I felt that I was flawed, getting the license, getting accolades, getting achievements, having trophies on the wall, that sort of thing, didn't ever mean anything. Never brought any satisfaction. Buying the boat, buying the house on the water, all these things never brought any satisfaction. It was fun for a little bit, but it was, you know, didn't do it, didn't do what I thought it would do for me. No. And, and here I'm at all these parties with other people like me who had made money and were at these charity events because no one can figure out how to get satisfied. So we think charity and then everyone's lives are falling apart. People are getting DUIs and divorces and, and cancer and all these things and, you know, bankruptcy and, and, uh, you know, criminal investigations and all this stuff because they're trying to make themselves feel good by the outside conditions. And the reason they're doing that is because they don't, they think they're flawed and they don't realize who they truly are. So if you taught everyone that they're magnificent and limitless beings of pure positive love and acceptance who can do anything they're inspired to do and who don't need to be seen as, as, you know, qualified by anyone else, you know, then they can move along that path of exploration. And when you see it as a journey rather than as a goal to attain, then you can really have fun along that journey. And when I was looking back at my business that I started, all those early days were so much fun while we're on that path. And then when we got to the success, it was completely meaningless. The fun part was that that journey of exploration along the way. Mm. Yeah. Um, no, yeah. And so, so the ideas that are the woo-woo ideas are 
that there's a, that there you have an inner self who exists in the non-physical, right? And who's guiding you through emotions. That's just a belief. And however, it's an empowering belief because now you, when you receive inspiration, you go, this is not just some crazy idea. This is something I could do right now. I could do one step right now, you know? But most people think, well, I could never do that. Or they have the fear of, of whatever that inspiration would lead to. And so they don't do these things that they're inspired to do. Because they don't think they're good enough. Isn't that what a, you know, your, your plan is when, you know, you go to college because you, I mean, you, you may have just drifted into college. You may have done it because, you know, but it doesn't sound like you did because you're the first person in your family to do it. Were you not inspired to do that? Was that, was that, I mean, you know, were you not thinking, well, you know, this will be a good thing. It'll be, it'll be a good experience and I'll, you know, I, I might be a better person for it at the end. For me, you know, I can't really speak to my mindset back then, but I was really wrapped up in this worthiness idea, trying to mm. prove that I was good. And so this was the thing. I mean, I was like, that'll prove I'm good because no one else did it. You know, yeah. that'll prove to my father that I'm good. What it did was it, was it made him in competition with me, you know, because he didn't do it. And, and once I got out of it, I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. Right. Um, and so I just went into real estate. <laughs> you know. And so then I tried to do that. I tried to push that and push that and push that. Now there yeah. were, there were people, I don't even know if I knew any of them, but there, there probably were, I had one friend who was absolutely inspired to be a doctor. So he goes through the first four years with me in college and then goes to medical school. And yep. this was his thing. So he, he loved that idea. Um, and, but he's one of the rare ones. Everyone else was just doing it because it was the next thing to do. It was all what was expected. It was expected yeah. by some people. And for me, it was I had to prove myself. You know? um, but I could have, and I would have probably felt, you know, I had a higher perspective of myself after achieving that, you know? So it wasn't what I learned, but it was that I went through and finished something. And now I said, okay, well, I am definitely qualified to do a lot of things because I have this degree, but everyone I work with, none of those people had degrees in real estate. Everyone was coming from, you know, basically right out of high school. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 But in, in, I, I I don't quite get, I suppose, the the, the difference between I'm, I'm doing something because I'm inspired to do it. Well, have you had any and, passions? Have I had any passions? Yeah. My wife. Yeah. yeah. So I I I I, I, I um there's there's things that. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I don't know how passionate I am about things, really. Um, when I was a kid, my mother was the worst cook ever, so I started cooking at a young age. Yeah. And I was really loved cooking, and I've loved cooking my whole life. I've been totally into it. And it's always a passion, right? And I've, in high school, I had dinner parties, full-blown dinner parties. In college, I had dinner parties, amazing parties. And all through my life, I had all these dinner parties. We just had 
a retreat here with 25 people, Joshua people here. And I cooked every breakfast and every dinner for all 25 people. We had this beautiful old window greenhouse. We had all 25 people lined up, you know, sat at long tables there. It was just great. And it's just something I really am passionate about doing. Well, I can taste everything as in my head as it's coming out. And I can, in my head, these ideas come to for seasonings or to mix things together. And everything I make is completely unique. I've never made the same thing twice. It's no recipes. Everything is just coming to me in that yeah. flow. And people are blown away by it. You know? And it's because I'm in that space of love getting all these incredible ideas, picturing it. Same with real estate. I can walk into a house and I can redesign the entire house. I know what the flooring is going to be like, what the colors are, the floor plan. I always change the floor plan up and people come in and it's easy for me. It's amazed, you know, because I'm flowing with this stream of consciousness that is coming. Poker is the same way. I make these, these plays in poker that people are dumbfounded by. And uh, it's, I had this experience with a guy who's super famous poker player in the top 100 people in the world and he happened to play at the same poker club I played at, and we became friends. And I would beat him in these hands, and he would have said, that's either complete genius or the dumbest thing I've ever seen. I don't know what that is, you know? And it's like the thrill that you get from things like that happening, you know? Yeah. It's just awesome. So these ideas, where are they coming from? Where are they coming from? And they're coming because I've aligned with this consciousness where all these ideas are. <laughs> Why can't they be coming from you? Well, if they came from me, this book would never get written or the other four books, right? There's five books. This book, now I wrote, I've written before. In uh, my early career, I wrote a course on how to sell real estate, right? It took a year and a half to write and it was half the size of this. And I was doing it all day long, writing it, right? And it, you know, turned out to be really nothing. This was an hour a day for eight weeks. And the next book was an hour a day for eight weeks. And this book was an hour a day for eight weeks. They're all 300 page books, you know, that, and nothing was edited. It all was, except for typos, it all came out as yeah. a pre-written book. That didn't come from me, right? I've, um, I have a marketing book that I wrote 15 years ago, it's that thin and took a year and a half to write. It's like, I know what it's like for me to write. It is painstaking work. And this just flowed. But it isn't, isn't that because, because you've spent your entire life thinking about this and you've got to the point where you're now expressing it. I mean, uh, 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 isn't, isn't that, that viewpoint you're expressing this isn't coming from me, isn't it? Aren't you limiting yourself that No, I'm actually empowering myself because if it came from me, then I would have some judgment about it, right? What are gonna, people going to think about me writing this book? Who am I to write this book? Where do I don't have a degree. I don't have a PhD in whatever this is. You know, I'm just a normal realtor, you know? And literally what happened was I'm meditating Joshua had been present in my meditation. In my, it was a very obvious presence there. 
And over about three months, I developed this relationship where I was asking questions, receiving answers, and getting all this stuff in my head, right? It sounded like my own thoughts, and so I doubted it tremendously and wouldn't tell anyone about it. And then on November 15th, so about six years ago, they said, get up and go right, right, right. I went to my computer and I just typed. And I typed with three fingers. And so I typed faster than I've ever typed before. And five pages came out and it was the entire introduction of this book. And while it's coming out, it's, it's like gibberish. Like words don't even have any meaning. It wasn't until I read it back that I'm like, this is, you know, this blueprint of life just in that introduction. And it was so different than anything that I could have ever done. Um, and then the next day was the same way with, with the title of the book, chapter headings, you know, section breaks, all done. And I would come back the next day and just start where the, where the sentence left off, right? And in the middle of a paragraph. That is weird. Then about after this was written and published, I, I wasn't telling any of my friends about it because it's too weird. So my friend Bruce, who I've known since uh, ninth grade, comes over to the house and I give him this book and he just, he's like, sees my name at the bottom of it. And he's like, what's this? And I go, it's a book I wrote. And so he's just going to everything and he's, he's a real good writer and we've worked together our whole lives and we're both you know, we're both competent writers and he's really yeah. good. And he goes, this isn't your writing. He knows my writing. He goes, this is totally not your writing. And he'll say that to everyone. And he'll, he just went, just picked up things and he read the whole book in one day. But he would go to paragraphs and say, you know, where does this come from? And I doubted it as much as anyone else until, until really the boot camp came out and I did the boot camp and went through it. And at the end of the boot camp, it reveals your, your soul's purpose. And my soul's purpose was to be a spiritual leader and teacher. And when, until that point, I was always a student of Joshua, like everyone else. Then it comes that I'm a spiritual leader and teacher. And it makes sense to me. I go, oh, my God, that's true. So I step into that role. And then this year has been the best year of my life, being this on this journey of a spiritual leader and teacher. And so all these podcasts we're doing and all these private calls I have, it's like, it's like me explaining this in my own words as a normal guy, mm -hmm. not as, you know, as this figure like Deepak Chopra or Eckhart Tolle or someone. It's a, from my perspective, living this normal life, this is what works for me. Um, and in that exploration, all these amazing things have happened. You know, things are just coming into pure sync now and there's no effort or struggle in any of it but that sort of makes sense too because if you release your attachment to any outcomes then what can you worry about no i, I, I can i can absolutely see that yeah. and you know the, the, the this idea of i suppose a flow state almost where you <clears throat> it's coming it's coming effortlessly yeah i, I suppose I mean, just I, I, something you just said there actually was kind of you had done, you'd written the books, you got there, and then it was the boot camp that kind of revealed your life's purpose. And I suppose that's another thing. If you have this other reality out there and your purpose in life is to accomplish something here, well, presumably you, you're here because 
if you knew what accepting your you know the, 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 we've got this eternal existence out there if you, yeah. if you you knew then you wouldn't be able to accomplish what you need to here right so, yeah exactly so it's but, but then kind of revealing the truth of it to people isn't that exactly. providing a limit to how much they can progress well here's the idea so we come in we're born with the full understanding of who we truly are and then we adopt limiting beliefs because our parents are telling us to do this and do that and don't do this and do this, you know, and they're saying you're wrong. All that I was thinking if you could take one day as a 10 year old in my life and just watch that 16 hours of being awake and all the times when I was told I was wrong or not to do something or you can't do this or you can't do that. Or who do you think you are? Yeah. Just in one day, right? Imagine a whole childhood of this. And so you adopt these limiting beliefs. And that's okay because it sets you on the, you know, it creates these desires and sets you on this trajectory towards this life you're going to live. And in that trajectory, you can discover what you're here to discover your passions and your interests and stuff like that. And the goal isn't really to understand who you truly are, it's more to have these expansive experiences. So as long as you're having these experiences, some are wonderful and some from your perception are awful, you're expanding to new perspectives. And that's the idea of life. But if you could start from where you are today and say, I'm going to put give up my resistance to who I am and I'm going to uh, alter these limiting beliefs. I'm not going to push them away, but I'm going to reduce the intensity by proving they're false because all my limiting beliefs are false. And I'm going to start appreciating, accepting myself, all others and the conditions that exist today. And then I'm just going to be, in, you know, do what I can to feel good so that I can sink into the source of consciousness and receive inspiration. And then I'm going to receive the inspiration Feel the fear, because fear will always pop up, but I'm going to realize the fear is triggered by a limiting belief, and I'm going to push past that fear to do what I'm inspired to do, and I'm going to begin this journey of discovery of who, who I truly am. And that's what I'm going to decide to do, okay? I don't know if it's going to work. I don't know what it's going to get me, but I know that what I was doing when I was exploring who I really wasn't, the limited version of me, didn't work. So with the time I have left, I'm going to just do what's fun and exciting and interesting rather than to make things happen. I'm going to give my, uh, my attachment to what I think I want, and I'm going to have this faith that I set this intention to discover who I truly am. Okay, well, that happened to me this year. I mean, it was really over the last 10 years, but it went to hyperdrive this year, where in January, I found myself waking up and saying, holy shit, I get to be Gary Temple Bodley today, you know? Never said that before. And, you know, I always think, oh, it, it might be nice to be Brad Pitt, you know, or somebody. But no, I'd rather be me now. And imagine waking up saying, I get to be me. And then my whole day is nothing but conversations like this all day long. And right when I said that, it's 111. It's 111 right now. You know, there's another <laughs> woo-woo thing right there. That's a sign of inspiration. I just happened to look at this clock. It's all one, one, one. 
what gave me that thought? Did, my, did I manufacture that thought? Or did I receive the inspiration at this time in this conversation to look over there and to mention it was 111, right? That's how I know that I receive inspiration. And I tell you, everything is working out. And am I wealthy beyond belief? No, because that's not the point of this. I have exactly enough money to explore this first year as a spiritual leader and teacher. Next year is going to be another level of that. And if I need to do more, then the money will come for that. But I'm not worried about money in the bank anymore. I'm not worried about having a fancy car or nice clothes or, or anything outwardly appearing to make myself look good like I used to. I, I don't, you know, it's like this office is not is just cool. I like it, but it's, it could be designed to make me look prestigious. I could have my books on the wall or everything there, you know. Be a throne. I'm just being me, right. And I wouldn't want to be anyone else. And that's never happened in 55 years until this year. Yeah. That, 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 sounds, that sounds wonderful. Sounds like more fun than... It does. Yeah. yeah. And I, 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 as I say, I, I, like, I like the idea of that. I like that, that sort of mindset. I'm, I'm not sure that I'm yet entirely on board with, with everything, but I, I, do like, I do like that idea. I like the idea of, of being in my head where you are clearly in yours. Yeah. And there's a little trick here. The little secret that you didn't know. You can't really be a, a, sing, uh, a cynic or a skeptic and be in my reality. <laughs> so you, you absolutely failed in this conversation as a skeptic, but there's, the secret is you're not really a skeptic. The secret is you're meant to live your life you lived to come to this information too. And whatever rock bottoms that you've had in your life, like I had when I lost all my money, everyone has their thing that causes them to re-examine how they were approaching life. And then they find this information. You weren't accidentally married to your wife. You are a vibrational match to her. She has led you to this conversation with me that very few people on earth have had, right? You're one of the few people on earth to talk to me. Yep. You are vibrationally matched with me. And so this is something that you intended to explore, right? And you can do it as a skeptic, but I've met, I've met people who have been into law of attraction for decades who are more of a skeptic than you are. <laughs> you are willing to, to see the practical aspects of this conversation. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I, don't, I suppose that the, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not here to tear down any beliefs or, or, to, or to denigrate the ideas. I mean, quite the opposite. I'm, 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 I'm skeptical in the sense that I, I'm questioning where you get to something, but I'm not, I'm not opposed to the ideas that you're, you're, um, yeah. That you have. But most of humanity is opposed to these ideas mm. because it conflicts with their belief system because they're rooted in this idea of control. And, and for me to say, I don't need to have money in the bank or prepare for anything or have life insurance or have all these things set up to protect myself. Most people won't go with that, you know. 
um, you know. If, I, uh, I mean, yeah. I, I, you know, I, I, again, I, I kind of, I understand that that, you know, you're in a happy place if if you've not bothered buying insurance and nothing bad happens because you you've still got the money. Um, but you know, if you if you haven't got insurance and your house burns down, that's Good. more of a problem. Good. And, it's, if if your house burns down, it'll be the best thing that ever happened to you. It's the fear of the house burning down that you live with every day, you know, and, and or the worry about the future, whatever that is. That's the problem. If you haven't bought insurance, you're clearly not living with the fear of the house burning down. But if it burns or you down, are, it- but you can't afford the insurance. You know, you have two different points of view there. Yeah. So what a real what most skeptics would say is that you aren't protecting yourself. You know, I have no contracts. I don't do contracts anymore. I don't negotiate with anyone anymore. I have people working on the house. They come and give me, like I did yesterday, this receipt for the last 10 days of work. I don't question it. I just pay for it, right? There's no haggling, no checking at everyone's time. And and everyone else would say, you can't be in business and and not negotiate and not haggle and not check everyone's bills to make sure they're right, you know, and say, I am not tied in my abundance to these things. My abundance is flowing to me and I allow it to flow out. And I'm just grateful that I have someone here who can do the work. You know, yeah, this is no, a well, different way of looking at life. Yeah. But most people won't agree with that. You know? No, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I think, I think ultimately I'm, I'm, I'm some way off yet. I've got a, a, a you know, I, 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 I think you have to have a plan. You know, that plan may be an inspired plan. But, you know, I, I think part of any plan involves thinking about contingencies, thinking about, you know, what what could be good and what could be better and what could be bad and what could be worse. Right. And choosing a path based on that. Yeah. I mean, you, you said with re- writing your books, for example, that it was it was it was inspiration. But it, it was from another source. Be that maybe you elsewhere. Yeah. But again, if you were having a conversation as we are now, we've talked for over an hour. To be fair, you've done much of the talking, but we could we could have a conversation. We could you know we could go on for a lot longer. Yeah. I'm not planning what I'm going to say. I, you know, I had to think about it beforehand as to the sort of things we might touch on. But I'm not planning the words that come next, and yet they come anyway. Right. And I suppose I don't see that as as an external thing sending these words through me to you, but as part of part of what I am here and now. Um. And, and I suppose to an extent, it, it, there's this idea also of responsibility. You know, I'm, I'm responsible for the good, I'm responsible for the bad. If I'm not enjoying something, well, you know, I probably have choices about that, either to to go somewhere else or, or to, to change my attitude towards it. Right. But I, I suppose my, my, my difficulty is not the idea that you should find... The, the joy in what you're doing so much as the, the, the process by which that happens 
and the explanation for how you get there. And I, I, I think that's where we're apart. That, that's the element of this that I'm more cynical about. Well, the idea where. Well, wouldn't you say that, as we, as we were talking, the feeling good is the number one most important thing. And so that feeling good could either come from the outside condition that gives you an excuse to feel good, or can come from the cultivation of that feeling internally. So if it has to come from the outside condition, then you're going to have to effort and and struggle your way to make that condition happen. If it comes from the inside, then anything that happens to you on the outside, you now perceive it from this higher perspective and you perceive it as good. And so it's, it's a perception thing, right? And so you are in control. You are the creator of your reality because you're creating your perspective in every moment and your perception and your belief system to allow more things to be good and Uh less things to be bad. In fact, you could get to a place where you completely eliminate the duality and see the neutrality. Nothing is good or bad. It's all neutral until I cast my judgment on it. And I can cast a judgment based on a limited perspective or on a higher perspective. And in the limited perspective, I have to acknowledge I don't have all the information. And in the higher perspective, I have to acknowledge that I'm having faith and using my imagination in an empowering way to see how this could be good. Something that other people or me in the past might have perceived it as bad. Now I say how it could be good. I don't have all the information. Maybe this would have happened. Maybe this would have happened, you know. And so my day has hardly any negative emotion in it. And if it does, I process it immediately. And I Hmm. find the thought that feels like relief. And then I know I've found the higher perspective. And then I'm more in tune to that love consciousness. And I'm more in tune to inspiration. And that inspiration is always leading me forward. And I'm less uh, likely to change the conditions. So think a time when you've been very angry and you wanted to punch the wall. That urge to change the conditions was not something that was going to be of any benefit to you or the wall, right? If you did it. This is what all urges to control conditions effectively are. They're effectively doing something to control how you feel on the outside. What we're saying is let's create a system for cultivating how we want to feel first. And we do that by choosing perspectives and analyzing fear and processing limiting beliefs, right? And that allows us to feel good in any condition. And really, that's how it works. It works. Yeah. It works for it works for people who read books. It works for the read the Joshua books for people who listen to the podcasts, and especially for people who take the boot camp. The change doesn't happen overnight, right? It took me six years to get where I am now. Uh, and I had four or five years of, of Abraham before that. So really, say, 10 years to get where I am now. Mm-hmm. But it was, a, it was a right from the beginning, it was a fun ride to hear. You know, it's been so much better. And now that I'm here, I can't imagine being anywhere else. Right. 
No, no. And I, I, as I say, I, I, you know, I, I absolutely see the value of being able to, 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 to change your own perspective on things almost, to, to look at things from other angles. Um, but I, I, again, I'm, I kind of struggle with this idea that yeah. everything is right. I mean, if I, if I go out and get in the car and drive somewhere and it's freezing cold, I don't just think, well, I'll, I'll be content with it being cold. I put the heater on. That's right. <laughs> Change the condition because, uh, yeah, and there's not nothing wrong with that, right? Yeah. There's nothing wrong with changing the conditions. You're going to do it from time to time. But, yeah. but if you know what you're doing when you do it, right, that's, it's, it's just more empowering all the way around. And you can make – but once you've made a decision, there's no wrong in that decision either. So you can absolutely lean into any decision you've ever made. There is no wrong, so you can't do anything wrong, right? This is all about letting yourself off the hook. I mean, it, 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 it's almost like take, I mean, again, I, I like to think of myself, I'm not a lot of the time, but I like to think of myself as quite a rational person. So I like to think I do things for, for a specific reason, not not because it's it's a kind of random. I mean, it may be a, it may be a random thought, but but that thought's come from somewhere. Um, I don't see it as coming from outside me. I, I think it's probably connections in my brain somewhere. You know, I put two and two together, and and actually, it's made something slightly different. Um, but I, I suppose, and, and you know, I can, as I say, absolutely see the value of, of taking negative emotions out of your life and, and 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 not seeing things from a perspective of irritation or anger or anything of that sort um and i can see how massively beneficial that would be um but i suppose again one of the things that i find difficult with this is the idea that the sort of acceptance itself might limit what I can do in the future. You know, if, if I am, I'm, I'm walking down the road and, you know, I decide I've got nowhere to be, so I decide to take a different path, that could lead to something good, it could lead to something bad. Um, you know, in terms of, you know, I, I, I could get run over if I go that way, I could have an ice cream if I go the other way. It's, it, it's, it, it's a decision that I'm taking. Um, and I suppose the idea is, or my idea is, taking that the consequences of that, accepting the consequences of that, accepting responsibility for the consequences of that, and not giving that responsibility to to some outside agency, but 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 having it myself. Yes. So we're, we agree with that because what, <clears throat> what uh, this philosophy is, is that, that once the decision's made to go left or right, right? Mm. You've made that decision. Now, you may make a decision because you're inspired to go left. You always go right every time, but this time you're inspired to go left. And so you go left and it leads you into something that, was, that you would consider bad which we call a manifestation event. But that manifestation event will show you a limiting belief, right? So say you 
turn left and you bump into an old friend who you haven't seen for a long time and you had a falling out and now it's a very awkward situation and you think, I wish I would have turned right, I wouldn't have this awkward conversation, right? Yeah. Well, that conversation with the negative emotion of it allows you to see that, hey, I have a limiting belief about how this relationship was ended and, you know, and that he was wrong for doing what he did to me, all this stuff. It gives you this opportunity to see yourself and who you're being and your beliefs from a different perspective. And so that's a good thing because there is no wrong. So you could go left or go right. It doesn't matter. And if you're inspired to go left and it leads to something bad, well, that in itself isn't bad either because it's a manifestation event and you needed the manifestation event to see a limiting belief, to process the limiting belief, and then to change who you're being, right? And so it's, you know, there, we, there's five books and there's, you know, six years of answering questions and podcasts and videos and documentaries and events and all that stuff. So there's so much more to this. If you can just open up to the potential that there's something useful in this, that you aren't going to get it right away, but if it gives you a little curiosity to read the introduction to a book and, and say, well, how does that feel to me now? Well, let's just be a skeptic and keep reading further and let it play around and see what thoughts you receive, you know, and then question your beliefs because those beliefs are not true or false. They're either empowering or limiting. And if we can create a more empowering belief system, then it's going to make it a lot easier to feel good. That's a good place to end this conversation. Thank you so much for being here, Sean. This has been uh, really you, fun. Yeah, no, it's, it's, been, it's been fascinating, and, and I really appreciate your, your time and your attention. Thank you. How do you feel now? Do you feel like it was fun? Like, didn't the time go quickly? It did, absolutely. And yeah. it's... It, um, yeah, I mean, it, again, it was sort of like that flow state thing, isn't it? We're in a conversation, and it, it you know, I'm, I'm, I'm learning and changing, and and it's um, yeah. no, it's it, it it is good, it is good, and yes. and as I as I started off, you know, I I, I can definitely see the value yeah. in this idea. Yeah. We're going to differ for a while on on how we get there, but yeah, you know, absolutely, you the same place. The journey doesn't matter too much. Yeah, exactly. Great. Well, thanks for being here. This will be a podcast soon and I'll let you you know when it is and maybe we'll get, if you're inspired, we'll get together again and in a little while and see where you've come with your thoughts. It'd be fun to have a follow-up conversation. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on the teachings of Joshua Roundtable. Remember, you are loved more than you can imagine by more than you could ever count. We'll see you next week.